complexity of the offer, first-time offer, has to match the complexity of the core offer. And so as we started breaking it down, a couple of the extra ingredients that we added to it was we realized that there should be a minimum of three and a maximum of five deliverables. This is Digital Marketing. Hey everyone, this is Mark DeGrasse, the president of Digital Marketer, and this is the podcast that keeps you up to date on everything you need to know when it comes to digital marketing, from the platforms you can be focused on to the kind of tactics and tools that are working today. Today, our guest is Craig Andrews, the principal ally with Allies for Me. Uh, he actually has a wealth of experience as one of our M3 members here at Digital Marketer. Uh, one of his claims of fame is actually taking a company from $18 million to $60 million all in 18 months before getting unceremoniously fired because that's what people do to marketers. <laughs> we'll talk about that. <laughs> Welcome, Craig. Mark, it's such a delight to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Excited to talk today. That's fantastic. So I figured we talked today uh, about what you gave the speech on during our, our mastermind last week, which was uh, you know the podcasting, basically how you worked with your wife in order to get on, how many was it? Was it 50 podcasts or? It's like 53 podcasts in two months. That's incredible. Because that's, uh, yeah, everybody talks about kind of the, the podcasting as a marketing strategy is actually relatively new. Uh, so why, why don't you just walk through uh, kind of why you decided you wanted to get on a bunch of podcasts and then kind of how you went about doing it? Yeah, so it goes all the way back to our, our prior Triple uh, M meeting, you know, Mastermind. And um, Lauren was talking about doing that and how she was... Um, her goal was to get on a hundred podcasts and, you know, before the end of the year. And I was like, and honestly, I was just like, well, that sounds like a good goal. We'll just shoot for that. And so I asked her a couple of questions and she, uh, she told me about Podmatch, which was an amazing um, uh, element of the equation. But, you know, some of this had started actually uh, a couple of years ago, you know, I'd gone through uh, Pete Vargas's program, you know, scale to stage or stage to scale. I forget which it is, but, um, you know, I'd actually been on his program. I'd put together a speaker page and I'd finished all that up in you know, Ju June, July of 2021. And then um, July 31st, 2021, woke up deathly ill with COVID. And when I say deathly ill, went to the hospital, they put me on the ventilator. They told my wife, he's going to die. He's not going to make it. Um, you need to meet with hospice. And so... Um, so that all got put on pause and, you know, 2022, I was, you know, I came back to work January 3rd, 2022 and I was weak. You know, I would work for a few hours and then take a nap, work for a few more hours, take a nap. And so a lot of 2022, I just didn't have the energy. I didn't have the strength to do it. And then, um, the last mastermind, uh, Lauren was talking about that. I was like, well, heck, I'll just copy her goal. I'll set out to do a hundred. And so went on Podmatch and I was talking to my wife. My wife had been laid off. She used to uh, be a Salesforce administrator for, uh, for NCR. And I said, hey, can you help get me booked on podcast? And she's like, yeah. And so she actually, I mean, she did something, you know, here's the secret sauce. She sat down and read some blogs about how to get booked on podcasts. and how to not make it all about you, you know, how to appeal to the host. 
And so I set up a profile on Podmatch and she started working it. And before we knew it, you know, it just started happening. And to us, that just seemed normal. You know, I, I didn't think it was until, you know, I was talking to the folks at the last mastermind. They're like, so what are you doing? Well, getting booked on podcasts. And I mean, well, 53 in two months. They're like, what? And everybody, you know, the reaction to that just really uh, surprised me. I called her up. I said, hey, by the way, apparently what you're doing, you do it really well. And that's what everybody's telling me. I, I've been happy with that. But it was really, um, you know, we just set out and started doing it and uh, happy with the results. Been booked on top 1% podcasts and, you know, been booked on some that are not top 1%. But, but you know, it's, 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 it's been a really neat journey. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so funny because sometimes when you start doing things specifically in marketing, yeah, you'll find it in any industry, but like the person who just doesn't know any better and just hits the pavement and like, oh no, they told me to get on podcasts. So I went and I got on all these podcasts and they're like, oh my gosh, I, I think there's a tendency of people to think like there's some automated system or there's some method or there's something that magic that has to happen and a formula that has to happen for you to actually achieve these awesome things like 53 podcasts in, in two months is incredible. It's especially different podcasts. And, you know, cause I could say like, I did 50 podcasts for digital marketer, but I make them. <laughs> so it's not, not as significant. So that, so that, that is fantastic. And I think I saw, did you show some of the emails that she would send and kind of the, let's walk through that because, uh, you know, you always say, don't make it all about me, which is uh, not obvious to people. Cause a lot of times when people go think about podcasts, you're like, oh, well, I want to impress them with how much stuff I've done and how many things I've achieved and why I'm so special essentially. Whereas what you guys did was actually focus on what the podcaster was doing. So I want to just walk through kind of that intro letter that you talked about. Yeah. So the, so the first paragraph is basically praising them for what they do. Every podcaster has a mission, figure out what that mission is. Tell them you're glad that they're pursuing that mission. Hopefully you agree with that. If you don't agree with it, you probably shouldn't be on the podcast, but the, you agree with the mission, praise it. So that's the per, first paragraph. And then here's the part everybody wants to skip. Like you said, they, they want to automate this. And this is the thing you can't automate. So when my wife identifies a podcast that she thinks I'll be good, good on, she listens to it. She listens and she takes notes while she's listening. So the second paragraph in the outreach is, um, hey, Mark, I heard you know, that podcast that you have with Craig you know, on blah, 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 on getting on podcasting. And you know, this one thing he said really stuck with me. You know, mm -hmm. that's the second paragraph. Actually talk about a, the, a specific podcast with a specific guest and a specific takeaway from that podcast. Doing that alone sets you so far apart because I've had hosts uh, just tell me, they're like, and they've mentioned my wife's name. They're like, hey, Karen did a great job. Um, I don't know if they know she's my wife. They may think she's some agent, uh, but they they tell me they were like Karen did a great job, and they and they outline what she did. I mean, and this was one podcast that would, had been booked like a month earlier, you know, but it made such an impression on them. And so, if you do those two things, that's going to set you far apart from the crowd, uh, and it's going to improve your odds. And you know, I have one um, one podcast where I've had a few people tell me this, say, 
you know, Craig, we get 50 to 100 pitches a week to be on our podcast. That's the noise you have to rise above. Think about that, 50 to 100 pitches per week, and you've got to bust through that noise. You're not going to do that with an automated system. No, I know well, that's uh, that's an understatement because I I get that too, <laughs> where we have our you know request to be on the podcast, and a lot of times I don't even look at them because I talk to enough people where I could fill my entire podcast schedule with people I personally met and decided that oh you're good for the show and come on the show, and so and and I do get a million pitches you know, just through my email where they're like, oh, well, you know, I work with this company and, and just so everybody knows when I get a, a third party email, you know, from somebody and they're like, oh, John's so great. And he should be on your show. I've tried to book them because I was like, ah, well, let me see, you know, let me see if this works out half of the time that the, the pe- person doesn't show up. <laughs> and so, so not only is that, that method kind of flawed in the first place, cause it's very impersonal, but a lot of times those people who hired that podcast company to get them guesting aren't even serious about it in the first place. And so now, you know, as a podcaster, I'm like, I can't trust that because now I scheduled out my week and I have three no-shows for a podcast. Like now I'm upset and no, I, I want to hear it. But, but when I do get an email like that, I always look for like, is any of this personal to me? Because if it's not, I'm assuming that you're bulk blasting out a bunch of podcasts and that's it. And so now I, now I don't trust you personally because you're just doing this for yourself and that doesn't mean anything to me. So right off the bat, I'll say that the fact that she listens to podcasts and just said, and listen to the podcast and quotes an episode. I mean, no, no podcaster could resist that because it means that somebody actually listened to what you said, which is why you're doing it. So that's incredible. Now, does she have experience like, I don't know, connecting or networking? Because that, that's like a a key networking skill that she she displayed. Hey, I mean, she loves people. She <laughs> loves people. You know, she, um, she, I mean, she was a full-time mom raising, raising her kids. You know, they got into the workforce late. You know, she got married young, had kids young, and, you know, this is like totally off topic, but uh, hiring managers out there, if you want to find like the most incredible workers ever, find uh, stay-at-home moms returning to the workforce. Mm. They, the, the skills they bring, you know, they've, they've had to manage schedules, manage budgets, do conflict resolution, you know, all sorts of things. They're just amazingly responsible people. And if you give them a job, they think you're a hero because they... They don't think anybody wants to hire them. And you know, I've been telling my wife that for years, but that's what you're seeing. You're just seeing, you know, what school do you go to? What class do you take to just learn some of these basic skills? These have been built into her for years. And mm-hmm. she um, and she's tenacious, you know. I, I think I told you the, you know, when when they uh, when I had COVID and they put me on the ventilator. And this was a time when they were telling families they couldn't visit their sick family members. Mm. Well, I have pictures of my wife in my room while I'm on the ventilator. Uh, she did not take no for an answer. Uh, thank goodness she did, because I don't think I'd be here today uh, if she hadn't done that. No, no. Thank goodness for uh, tenacious wives, because uh, mine's the same way. You know, it's kind of like, oh, you could try to stop her. <laughs> Yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> because she will figure it out and yeah, you'll feel silly. <laughs> so, yeah. 
That's fantastic. And, well, and it really takes that kind of attitude to, you know, make things happen because, you know, if you are going to use marketing as uh, or use podcasting as a marketing method, like I'm going on, I'm going to guest, I'm building up my authority, I'm uh, getting my message out to the world, and I'm getting it out on a bunch of unique platforms that are dedicated to a similar space. So now it's all relevant audiences. Uh, it's a killer marketing method. So, so just in that regards, what has, uh, you know, going on so many podcasts, cause I'm sure you've done more than 50 now, uh, done for your business or for your kind of personal brand. Well, it's, it's been really good in terms of, um, one, it's, it's just op- opened up other audiences. And if I were to break it down to the, the biggest impact, so we've, you know, we'll talk about this later. We, we have this thing we call a first-time offer. We've been talking about this for, you know, a few years now. And people hear it and they're like, yeah, yeah, sounds interesting, but no real excitement. And I think some of it is we were just talking to the wrong audiences. And so as I've talked to uh, podcasts, you know, as, as I've gone on podcasts, the response has just been overwhelming. Now, some of that may be because the economy is a little bit funny and these these things really help in a bad economy, uh, but it's you know it's really energized me, and it's and it's having me kind of make minor you know some course adjustments to how how we're doing outreach, how we're driving the business, uh, because we realize oh here's something that's really really nice solves a big need, uh, but you know we we do inbound marketing and and so do thousands of other people. You know, and so here's something that's really unique that helps raise us out of the noise uh, and, and, and actually help people solve a real problem for them. Um, and so the audience is just expand. I was on the phone this morning with somebody from Australia in Perth, mm-hmm. you know, and we're working that. That was an audience that was never available to me uh, before. I mean, it, yeah, it was available, but I hadn't tapped into it. And so that's kind of been... Uh, that's been the impact. I've had podcasters where they finish the interview, they stop uh, stop recording, and then they look at me and they say, "Craig, I need that. <laughs> Could you help me?" <laughs> yeah. I, it's delightful because all of a sudden, what'd you have? You just had a conversation. You didn't take them through your sales pitch. You had a conversation. They realized, "Oh my goodness, he has something that will help me. Let's talk." And yeah. it's just wonderful. I hate to interrupt our podcast, but I have an announcement about Digital Marketer's content certification. Content without a content marketing strategy is an expensive mistake, but it's one that most businesses are making. When it comes to content marketing, all content should be created with a clear purpose to move a customer or potential customer along the customer value journey. That's why you need Digital Marketer's Content Mastery Certification. You'll learn how to leverage a complete content system to strategize, create, and distribute content that just plain works. When you become a certified content marketing strategist, you'll master the craft of systematically creating and promoting content that drives noticeable revenue for any business, and you'll get a badge to prove it. Learn more right now at digitalmarketer.com slash content cert. Well, it's fantastic because you're already talking about it. You obviously have a wealth of information, you know, that they could, uh, you know, consume as they're asking you questions during a podcast. And now it's even more validated because they brought you on specifically for that. 
why wouldn't they use you? And it's an elevator for the podcast. You know, if I have you on the yeah. show and I'm like, you're amazing and I need that service, I recommend that service. And then I'm using the service. Now you can sell everybody else on it by, you know, sharing the episode yeah. <laughs> and be like, of course I'm using him. Here's why, you know, it's uh it's a good, good loop because it all is reinforcing that you're the expert, that you're the one with the answers that, you know, of course the podcast hoster is using you because you convinced him during the podcast. So uh, I love that. And it's actually a reversal of what we've talked about before on the show, which is uh, using your podcast as a host to vet prospects. So the reverse of that, where it's like, okay, well, say, you know, you're a local marketer, you work with, uh, you know, contracting companies that residential contracting companies, and you have a podcast that's just about residential contracting business. And so you go out to a roofer and say, hey, I have this podcast. You're the best roofer in the city. Could you please come on my podcast and just talk about roofing and how you get out there? And essentially what you're doing is you're, you know, doing a prospect meeting <laughs> with your guest to get yeah. the get the business. But the reverse is true too. You could do it like you're doing it where you, you know, are convincing the host on top of the fact that you get the exposure and everything else. So all of it's genius. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's really neat. You know, there's, there's another component, you know, when, you know, talking about kind of the success, I think is important not to miss. And, you know, 60 minutes, the, the television show or the news show, you know, historically it just had this fantastic run as uh, an overwhelmingly popular news show. And and years ago, this is probably 15, 20 years ago, I was listening to somebody talk about, you know, what made that successful. And the original producer of the show said, I have one rule, tell me a story. Mm. You know, so as you're thinking about going on different podcasts, well, guess what? I mean, let, let's say you're a marketer and you're trying to go on podcasts because you want people to hire you as a marketer. Okay, let's be honest. There's, there's a lot of people that do what you do, even if you're, you know, if you're exploiting a little bit of a niche. Um, you know, I was, I've been listening to a few people recently. And I'm like, I hear them say something. And I'm like, I think that came from Dan Kennedy, you know? And so we're, you know, it's, it's funny. I'd, I'd love, I'd love to build a tree of, of knowledge and see who are, you know, who, who are at the base of the tree. Uh, but you find people like Dan Kennedy that feed all these different marketers, including myself. And so if I say something that I learned from Dan Kennedy, or if I learned from Digital Marketer, um, guess what? There's thousands of other people that have also heard that. It's not really differentiating. And so you're in a space that's fundamentally not differentiated if you're a marketer. Mm. Well, what can differentiate you is your ability to tell a story. And that makes the podcast entertaining. I mean, you know, as a host, I'm sure you... You want more subscribers to your podcast. You want more people listening to that. And if your plan is to go on a podcast and just, you know, say, hey, you know, let me tell you these methods and metrics and blah, 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 blah. That's going to be boring. People are going to just stop listening. And your hosts, I, I assume, I don't know, I'm speaking for you. You tell me, do you want, our stories powerful? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the story is the most entertaining part because I'm having you on the show because I know you're a professional. So we could get over the you need to convince me that you're a professional because you won't be in the show otherwise. So what we're doing now is how do we convince people of your unique approach to whatever? 
And honestly, I don't care where you got the information because if I learn it from you specifically, you're now the teacher. I don't care about anything else. I'm not going to, oh, well, Craig said this. Let me go look it up and find out, find out who really came up with that. I don't care because we're talking about application of ideas rather than the ideas themselves, which are, are valuable. But my thing, my thing is always about applications because you could have the best idea in the world, but if you're not able to execute it or get some kind of benefit from it, then who cares? There's no evidence specifically for you of whether it works or not. So the story component, story and evidence, and uh, you're, you know, you're entertaining makes a huge difference too, because you could be super informed and you could be a genius and you could come off like a jerk <laughs> and, it, and it still won't matter. You, oh, you just, you know, cured cancer on the show, but you kind of sound mean. <laughs> so now- uh, you know, you made my audience feel bad and nothing else matters besides that. So now you, you are completely right. Story matters. And that entertaining factor matters because I could go read a book. We all have the answers. They're all free online. Right. <laughs> you need yeah. to convince me of it. That, that's, that's really your job as a marketer. Uh, but you know, between that and then, you know, we also talked about kind of before the show is that, you know, when you're going on these podcasts, like the reason, of course, is to to build up authority, uh, generate awareness with unique audiences, uh, connect with the host if they're, you know, a potential partner or even a client. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't have a call to action, which is what we always talk about within our content marketing frameworks is then there's no point to it or there's no trackable point to it. So let's kind of talk about that. So you're on all these podcasts. Do you usually close with an offer or how do you get people from listening to you on the podcast to becoming an audience member? Yeah, so we have an offer and, and a lot of the podcasts we're talking about, we're talking about this uh, process that we have called first time offers for high ticket sales. And guess what? The offer is, hey, we have a guide and we have 23-day access to a course to help you do just this. Go to this link. By the way, we always make a custom-branded link for the podcast. And I had a host say, I like that. You're helping me promote my brand. That's back into that. But yeah, that's the call to action. We have that at the end. Uh, it's good as a marketer because guess what? All these links have tracking information so when people can come in, we can figure out, you know, what what drove them. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, always call to action. That's fantastic. Now, in regards to, say, your first-time offer, um, can you walk me through kind of, you know, why you call it a first-time offer versus a, I don't know, tripwire? <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah. Or a high-trust offer, whatever it is, and kind of how you formulate that in relation to your, your core offer. Yeah. So the, yeah, and so Tripwire or entry point offer, I, I think your audience is very familiar with that. Um, you know, so I set out originally trying that and I, you know, I put together a, you know, I think this is right when, you know, Ryan and Digital Marketer were transitioning away from the term Tripwire, which is probably a good move. Um, yeah, you don't, you want to blow audience. people up. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, we, by the way, side note, We've banished the term lead magnet. Mm. We don't use that term because it's, it's too mercenary and it puts us in the wrong mindset. So we call them conversation starters. That's our, our term. Oh, okay. uh, and, and I do it for me more than I do it for anyone else because when I think about that, it helps keep my mind focused 
on the right attitude and the right content um, instead of saying, oh, hey, there's a prospect. But the but anyway, I, I started off uh, back in 2017 saying, okay, I'm going to build a tripwire for my business. And, uh, and I built one. It failed horribly. Uh, nobody understood it. Nobody wanted it. Nobody bought it. And then my next offer, it failed. The one after that failed, but a little less than the prior two. And about 18 months in, they started working reliably. And what I found was, so, you know, again, your audience knows it has to be an impulse purchase, uh, disproportionate value to price, has to solve a problem, has to leave problems unsolved, and has to naturally lead to the next step. I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure your audience knows all those things. Where it was failing for us was we, um, you know, we do a high ticket, high trust service. And I realized, okay, I can't do 13 albums for a penny or the equivalent of that, you know, the old Columbia House offer. Uh, I can't do that for a complex service, that the complexity of the offer, first time offer, has to match the complexity of the core offer. And so as we started breaking it down, a couple of the extra ingredients that we added to it was we realized that there should be a minimum of three and a maximum of five deliverables. Hmm. Those three to five deliverables should represent three to five milestones that move your customer three to five steps closer to where they want to be. And the reason, you know, less than three feels underwhelming, more than five is overwhelming. And, you know, the, you know, I, I think you were the one that said it last week, and it's popular saying a confused brain does not purchase. Mm. And so you don't want to have uh, too many. Uh, the other thing we found was that one of the deliverables needs to be the product of a co-working session where the customer feels like they primarily contributed to those deliverables. Mm. You know, there's a guy named uh, uh, Marcus who calls it fingerprinting, putting their fingerprints on that. But when that happens, you, you trigger a couple cognitive biases. Uh, one's the IKEA effect, the other's the endowment effect, where all of a sudden they start valuing it more. But when you get to the end about and moving forward, for them not to move forward would require that they reject their own ideas. Uh, yeah, love that. <laughs> um, so that's one of the things we discovered, and the. Uh, other thing we discovered, and this is going to sound really complicated. I promise I will immediately simplify it. The final deliverable has to be the solution to a problem that's uniquely created by the successful delivery of the preceding deliverables. Mm. Yeah, that's a lot of words. That's confusing. Let's talk boats. If you buy a boat, you have a new problem. You need a place to store the boat. So if I sold boats for a living, if somebody walked on my boatyard saying, I want to buy a boat, I would say, we're going to find the perfect boat for you. But once you find it, you've got a new problem. They actually have a lot of new problems, but we're just going to talk about that. <laughs> it's just a one. It's the biggest one. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're going to need a place to dock this boat. And guess what? We have relationships with all the marinas in the area, all the yacht clubs in the area. We know their prices. We'll make the introductions. As a matter of fact, if you want, we will have the boat delivered to your slip. So all you have to do is show up with your family, with your picnic basket and your cooler, get on your boat and have a fantastic time. Hmm. So when you do that, 
it moves their frame of, of reference. They're no longer looking at buying an expensive boat. You just moved them over to the other side to a, a framework of success where they're actually picturing themselves getting on the boat and having a magnificent day. At that point, it's going to be hard not to sell them a boat. Man, that's genius, you know, and it's, well, it's a different level of complexity, which, you know, really with marketing, I think we need that because I think with uh, one of the issues we have just as a profession is that everybody thinks they get what we do immediately, even though they really have no idea, but the perception is that they do. So with your offer format, you're actually, you know, going a much higher level and much, uh, you know, like you're saying, the complexity that you're adding to it shows evidence of your understanding of what's going on and then is reflected in your core offer, which then all leads to each other. But I love the, the idea that they're actually generating the problems and the ideas themselves, which lead to the need for more solutions, which you then provide. So it's, right. I'd, I'd say that's uh, next level lead generation because most of us are just kind of like, well, if I get enough leads, I'll get some good ones in there, right? I mean, that's the <laughs> that's what we focus on. But, but plus, it's a reporting thing because if we have a client, they don't care that we're saying like, no, you just need the right, you know, the right leads. Most people are like, no, I just need more leads. And so it's kind of this balance between like providing good leads and then providing the volume leads that people expect. That way, everybody wins. You stay employed as a marketer, plus they get the results they want and they get the perception of the process that they expect. But, you know, from a just a professional standpoint, I think I think that's genius, genius way to do it. And it's it's hard, though. <laughs> you know, nobody wants to hear 18 months of lead magnet uh, testing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. And it's um, well, and we found it's really hard to put the offers together. And it's really interesting. The, the number one uh, when we're in a workshop, you know, we do one on one customer uh, client workshops to help them build their offers. The number one challenge that I see is getting them out of a mindset of sales and into a mindset of service. Mm. And it actually takes me about two hours to move their mindset into that service um, mentality. But when I get them there, the offers that come out are just amazing. I mean, there was, there was one time I finished up a workshop and I was driving home. I called my wife. I said, if somebody turned down this offer, they would have to be clinically insane. Love it. But the only way you get there is thinking about serving. And, you know, and it's, and, and, and that's a problem because if you have a business, um, I mean, we're just, you know, we just have this wiring where we, we got to sell, we got to sell, we got to sell. And that ends up being a big, big barrier. I mean, obviously, yes, the end of the road better be the cash register ringing. Um, but I'm telling you, the fastest way there is to quit, uh, quit trying to sell. Ah, love that. Well, yeah, you're not trying to sell. You're trying to sell, solve a problem. You know, that's uh, that's it. That's it. And it's and if you're doing that, then of course you'll make money from it. <laughs> you know, but yeah. if anybody if anybody sniffs around is like, wait, you're just doing this to sell me something. You know, even though why else would you be having a prospect call or you know an introductory call? 
other than to sell something. But you know, it's uh, it's managing the process, the expectations, and then providing value, which is really what you're talking about. It's not about making the sale. It's about solving a problem, giving people that value that you uniquely are able to deliver because you have this system and this experience and there's all these things in place. And now, of course, you'll hire me for this because where else are you going to get all of this stuff in one place? And we've just talked for two hours about it. So obviously, <laughs> so <laughs> I love all that. You know, it's kind of, yeah, I think this is a different subject. We could definitely keep going on this. And I think we'll have you back on the show soon just to talk about offers and kind of offer construction because that's an entirely new approach. And it's something that I think it's easy to kind of like, yeah, have your lead magnet and moving on. <laughs> you know, yeah. so you don't you know, talk about that, especially in relation to what you're actually presenting online and all of it needs to be connected. Otherwise, you know, like you were, I did not say that. That was probably Ryan Dice. It sounds like a, like a Ryan Dice say that confused mind doesn't buy, uh, which is genius and I'm going to use it, but uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely a Ryan thing. I'm more, uh, everything I talk to relates back to content where I'm like, oh yeah, well, your content has to reflect your lead magnet and that has to reinforce your pitch and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but that this has been fantastic. Uh, so uh, once again, uh, you know, congrats, 53 podcasts, guest spots in two months is incredible. Uh, you know, congratulate your, your wife for me as well, because that's super impressive and I'm jealous. And yeah. now I want to talk to my wife about getting me podcast spots because <laughs> she's the same way. Uh, but it, you know, huge achievement. And, and again, I really like your offer approach. So we'll definitely have to have you back on the show for that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, where can people learn more about you and maybe see where you're podcasting? Yeah, so come to alliesforme.com. That's spelled A-L-L-I-E-S, the number four, M-E.com. And um, I mean, and if somebody wants to learn more about this, you know, like I said, we, I screwed it up for a long time. I made a lot of mistakes. So I built a guide uh, to help folks avoid some of the mistakes that I made. Uh, and we also have 23-day access to a course. Uh, just for clarity, the reason we do the 23-day access is we're in the business of changing lives. And I don't want you to sign up for some free course that you put on some back shelf next to the dusty uh, free course that you signed up for you know, last year. We want you to use this. So we put that time limit on there uh, because we see it in the analytics. Uh, you'll actually show up and do it, put it to work. It will change your life. That's what we want. Uh, so you get there by going alliesforme.com slash digital marketer, all lowercase, all one word. Fantastic. Love the custom link and uh, the call to action. So again, kind of demonstrating uh, what you're good at and being consistent about it, which I love about marketing and talk about on the show all the time. So thank you, Craig. And thank you for being an M3 member as well. Uh, Mark, this has been a delight. Thank you for having me. Awesome. And thank you for listening. Be sure to hit that follow button so you can notify when all of our new episodes release. Please share this with that friend who is clueless about digital marketing. And don't forget to visit digitalmarket.com where you can access all of our courses, certifications, and training programs. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll see you next time. This is Digital Marketing. Get ready for the two easiest ways for you to generate product photos for your e-commerce store. I'm Lauren Petrullo, founder and CEO of Mongoose Media and Digital Marketer Academy faculty member. I've managed over 50,000 SKUs 
for over a hundred different e-commerce sites. And I cannot tell you the importance of quality product photos. Not only are they important for your website, but they're great to be repurposed in your email marketing campaigns, your paid ad initiatives, and your organic social media content. It's imperative that you have great photos because great photos sell your products and start conversations with your consumers. There are two great solutions when seeking out quality product photos for your e-commerce site. One, UGC. We know that native user-generated content wins all day on social. When you can get your customers to share back their use of your products in their voice, in their personal applications, you will see dividends when that is repurposed in your paid ads and organic social feeds. Secondly, don't have customers or UGC yet? Not a problem. There are cost-effective solutions in which you can outsource that photography. This and so much more is covered in my modules in our e-commerce cert with Digital Marketer.